and welcome to Covert Action Bulletin, the official podcast of Covert Action Magazine. I'm Chris Agee, Executive Editor at CAM. Today, we turn to whistleblower Bill Binney, the former intelligence official and technical director of the National Security Agency. Bill resigned in the wake of 9-11 after more than 30 years with the NSA. He was a critic of his former employers during the Bush senior and junior administrations and later criticized the NSA's data collection policies during the Obama administration. More recently, as he demonstrates with evidence in this interview, the Russians did not hack the DNC servers and thereby interfere in the 2016 U.S. elections. After the first attack on the World Trade Center in 1993, Bill was fast developing a program called ThinThread to monitor all communications around the world. The nation reported that, quote, despite ThinThread's proven capacity to collect actionable intelligence, Agency Director General Michael Hayden vetoed the idea of deploying the system in August 2001, just three weeks before 9-11. Hayden's decisions, the whistleblowers told the nation, quote, left the NSA without a system to analyze the trillions of bits of foreign signals intelligence flowing over the Internet at warp speed, as ThinThread could do, unquote. Before we turn to our in-depth interview with Bill, let's listen to the trailer of the 2015 Austrian documentary film entitled The Good American that documents his revelations. The film contends that Binney's work was thwarted by high officials of the agency and that he might have otherwise been able to prevent the 9-11 attacks. Recapping now for you once again, an explosion underground in the garage section of the World Trade Center in New York City. The first attack on the Trade Center in 93 was the first thing that woke everybody up in terms of the threat of terrorism. We said, this is not a one-time event. There is a larger movement here, and they're planning on doing more. The terrorists were burying themselves inside the ballooning communications network in the internet and the phones, and so we had to figure out who was communicating with whom and who were the terrorists, and that was the whole idea of the Thin Threat program. Of all the analysts, Bill was by far the most astute. He was the person in the agency who knew the most about metadata. It was pretty clear that we were building the most powerful analysis tool that had been developed in history to monitor basically the entire world. This little research organization had the keys to NSA's future. We let it run 24 to 36 hours. We discovered critical intelligence that had never been discovered by NSA. NSA's response completely shut the program down. Does anybody even recognize what they have? Oh my God, the whole tower collapsed. It is gone. We would have caught the people. 9-11 would have been avoided. They're taking data on every U.S. citizen in the country. That's not compatible with a democracy. It's like the Stasi on super steroids. What's wrong with this picture? 9-11 is a gift to NSA. We're going to get all the money we need and then some. It wasn't about making money. It was about protecting the country and the free world. Let's find where the skeletons are, capture it all, and then bury the report as deep as possible. The FBI decided to raid four people. Fabricated evidence to get a warrant. They were after all material that was related to thin thread. It was the largest failure in NSA history. And there you have it. That was the trailer from The Good American, the 2015 Austrian 
documentary on Bill Binney's efforts to thwart attacks on the U.S. and how he was blocked. If you haven't seen the film, check it out. After scrapping Bill's Thin Thread program, which cost $3.2 million and used encryption to block out certain aspects of communications that might violate the U.S. Constitution, among other things, they implemented Trailblazer instead, which violated numerous U.S. constitutional protections and cost a thousand times more. Not that we at CAM are in favor of any surveillance program. Even Bill, as he tells us in this interview, celebrates the fact that he quit and never delivered an even more powerful program that would automatically produce reports on actionable intelligence. Jeremy Kuzmaroff, the managing editor at CAM, and I sat down with Bill last September of 2020 and discussed his work with the NSA, why he quit, and his views on the current surveillance state. Among other revelations, Bill provides evidence demonstrating that the DNC hack by the Russians was a false flag event and that the surveillance state is slipping into what he calls total population control towards totalitarianism. So Bill, let's start out with some background. How did you get involved with the NSA? Well, let's see, in my career, well, I started off in the uh, U.S. Army for Army Intelligence. Uh, that's where I started. Uh, it was called the ASA, Army Security Agency at the time. That was from 1965 to 1969. And then in 1970, I joined NSA because, uh, see, NSA is really NSA CSS. The CSS part means the Combined Security Services, that's the Army, Navy, Air Force, Marine components of CB's intelligence. And that's what I was in in the Army. So it's really affiliated with NSA. So that's how I got into NSA. And then I stayed there for uh, another 32 years, <laughs> working there as uh, on the, well, mostly on the Soviet Union and, and making sure that they, we understood exactly what they were doing and planning. And then I went in to become the, I was a technical director of that area for a while. And then after that, I became the technical director of the rest of the world. <laughs> so I called myself the world, the technical director of the world. Now, all that, all that meant was I was to deal with technical issues in, in, in the world that our analysts were having difficulty uh, dealing with. So, and that's what I did the last couple of years in, in NSA. And then I retired. After uh, Hayden started uh, expanding the collection of what, what, what it was, was a philosophical change in how they operate. And one was uh, <clears throat> you were looking at groups of people. This is where I was involved in looking at groups of people, militaries and countries that posed potential uh, threats or potential things that would be a serious problem to deal with. And it shifted from groups of people to individuals. And that meant that they were spying on everybody, starting with everyone in the United States, and then just spreading around the world. And it's just it, it's just this bulk collection. The reason they did it was for money, power, and control, because once you do that, you have information and knowledge and power over everybody. And so I, you know, I just call that the move towards totalitarianism and, uh, and basically population control. And... When would you say that originated, or was that you saw that throughout your time at NSA? Well, that first started. Uh, see, they didn't. Excuse me, they didn't have that capability to do it until we invented it in the signals intelligence research. When we came up with the ability to do uh, fiber optic socializing data off fiber optic lines, they're taking doing full take of it. Uh, that was in 1998. Then they had the capacity to. Uh, to capture all the information on the internet 
uh, worldwide. Uh, also, they had the cooperation of telecommunications companies to capture the telephone network, public switch telephone network. So those are the two main networks, public switch telephone network and the worldwide web. Uh, and once we gave them the capability caps down on the web, you know, that was it. They could get all the data in the world. So it was a matter of space and power. That's all. And that, that's what I said in 98. <laughs> and then they, they started to implement it in 2001. And the planning for it was in 2000 and late 2000, early 2001, prior to 9-11. So they were planning on this prior to 9-11. So, yeah, well, my, my next question is as to what, yeah, you see as a central problem with regards to the intelligence field and surveillance in the United States and its politicization since that time or since you worked at the NSA. Well, the, the main the main problem that I've opposed both uh, both both here in the U.S. and also in Europe, uh, I testified be, be in front of the Bundestag in Germany and also the Council Lords in the U.K. One of the main problem that I saw was this bulk acquisition of data for population control and power over everyone. So, um, and and I also made a point that when they do that. When the consequence of that action is that they bury all their analysts in so much data that they can't see threats coming. And when they can't see the threats coming, you know, the events happen. But after the fact, if you looked at all the terrorist attacks since, you know, and even before 9-11, they had uh, all the data on the people involved, but they didn't, it was buried in everything. And they hadn't focused on it, so they couldn't see the threat coming. So the attack happens, people die. And once they go and find out who did it, then they go into the massive amount of data that they have on everybody. And then they can look and see, oh, yeah, these guys are affiliated with those and so on. They could try to trace it from there. So that's basically a forensics approach. Uh, that is, uh, it, it's uh, fundamentally what the police do. After the crime occurs, they investigate it. <clears throat> well, intelligence is supposed to predict intentions and capabilities of adversaries or potential threats. That's not a forensic job. That's looking into the future and seeing the threats coming so you can do something about it before, before it happens and, and maybe save lives. That's the real job of intelligence. And they basically adopted the forensics approach now because they, they can't keep up with all the data. And there's a, that's a primarily because they, they are not doing a disciplined, focused job on the, on the data they have or the data they acquire which was what we did with the program we developed ThinThread and made it possible to manage volumes of data because we didn't take in data on individuals that weren't relevant to any of the targets we were at. We had a way of filtering that out. So, you know, that, that gave privacy to everybody in the world. And that's not what they wanted. They wanted control over everyone. So, so that bulk acquisition gave them that control. You've been listening to... Covert Action Bulletin, the official podcast of Covert Action Magazine. To listen to the full episode, head on over to patreon.com forward slash Covert Action Bulletin. Feel free to also check out our magazine at covertactionmagazine.com, where you will find hundreds of articles we have published since 1978, exposing the nefarious covert activity of U.S. imperialism and plutocrats worldwide. I'm Chris Agee, Executive Editor. Signing off until the next episode, remember, educate, agitate, and organize.